Hey guys, my name is Casey, and I'd like to welcome you to the Valor Podcast. As you know, as we study the book of Acts, one of the amazing things about this book is that we see in dramatic detail how Jesus was building his church. From the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, in big crowds and in individual encounters, through the ministry of the body of Christ and the preaching of the gospel message, Jesus is building his church. And in this session, we'll see how Jesus is building his church through both persecution and proclamation. And the text we'll consider is Acts chapter 5, verses 17 to 42. We remember how Peter confessed Jesus as the Christ, saying, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus told Peter in Matthew chapter 16, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is the Christ, and that is the message of his church. And it's the one that he is building. And that is so important to remember, that it's Jesus's church. Peter would later say in his first epistle in chapter 5, that Jesus is the chief shepherd of the church. He is the faithful shepherd who is leading his flock. And we've seen how this has happened all throughout our study so far in the book of Acts. Think of the prayer meeting, the day of Pentecost, the preaching of the gospel, the response of those who believe. Amazing things were happening. And yet, in the midst of the amazing work of God, we saw how in the last chapter, the church experienced internal affliction through the actions and the judgment of Ananias and Sapphira. The fear came upon all who heard of these events. Word spread for sure. Think of the gossip or the lies that could have come from that there in the community. Maybe some of the believers thought that no one would even join the church after hearing about what had happened to Ananias and Sapphira. And yet, chapter 5, verses 12 to 16 show just the opposite. It had a purifying effect. And even through such problems, God was working. Signs and wonders were being done by the apostles. And it says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. The internal affliction was followed by a great work of God. And this reminds us that Jesus' church is not built based on our supposed success or our failures. It's not built upon certain marketing or advertisement strategies. It's not built on our creative programs or our practices. It's built on the Word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was building His church, and more and more people were coming to the Lord. And God was working even if we didn't fully understand it at the moment. And we can expect the same thing to happen when the church experiences external affliction, persecution for the faith. And in this section, we now see one of the first big encounters that the apostles experienced with persecution. They get arrested for teaching in the name of Jesus. Then they're miraculously freed by an angel leaving the religious leaders perplexed and the guards in trouble. Then they returned to preaching in the temple, which is what got them in trouble in the first place. They get brought back to stand before the council and the high priest for questioning. Then they take it as an opportunity to draw a line in the sand, saying that they must obey God rather than men. 
and they shared the truth of the gospel there in that moment. The religious leaders, they were enraged and they wanted to kill them. But through the providential reasoning of a Pharisee, Gamaliel, the apostles are spared. But then they are still beaten and they're charged again not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they are let go. In all of this, we see their unique response in verse 41. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Wow. In this, we see how God used even persecution to further spread the message of the gospel. And God is still doing so today. Consider how the progression unfolds throughout the storyline of Acts so far. The first time Peter and John were arrested was in chapter 4, after they healed the lame man. And the text says that the captain of the temple and the Sadducees were greatly annoyed because they were preaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And now in our text, verse 17 says that the high priest and the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. And verse 33 says that they were enraged and wanted to kill them. They went from being annoyed to jealous to enraged to wanting to kill them. We see here that the apostles are following in the footsteps of their Savior, who experienced a similar process of persecution from the religious leaders. You see, Jesus and the apostles had something they didn't, and it was messing things up for them. An annoyance turned to jealousy, which turned to hate, which turned to to violence. Seeing the conversion of thousands and the miracles that validated the truth of the gospel that was being preached, the religious leaders were jealous. The religious leaders were filled with jealousy because the apostles were filled with the Spirit. And as verse 28 says, they filled Jerusalem with the teaching of Jesus. And as we've seen in Acts, some people will respond and receive Christ, and others will respond with opposition. As we reflect on this, we must ask ourselves, what are we filled with? And what are we filling our community with? And so, brothers, may we be reminded, may we be filled with the Spirit, and may we fill our land, our community, with the gospel. In these events, though, we see how the apostles took a stand. They didn't back down. Clear as day, they said, we must obey God rather than men. This is such an important verse on how we as believers serve a greater kingdom and a greater purpose. We long for a better world. We adhere to a greater standard. We are to obey God no matter the cost. In their persecution, the apostles did not value their own personal security above the Great Commission. The apostles were put in a situation that shows how we serve a kingdom that is not of this world. That when it comes to the gospel, the government or rulers do not have ultimate authority, but God does. Such civil disobedience has occurred throughout biblical history, such as the Hebrew midwives or Daniel and Esther. And so, as it's been observed, when an order from the government demands that we compromise the gospel, Christians must respectfully disobey human authority and remain faithful to God. And we see this, Christ commissioned the disciples, and they obeyed. And notice how the disciples responded. Not with hate speech or violence, they simply kept declaring the good news. 
They did this in the moment, and they took the persecution as an opportunity to make Christ known. And as verse 42 says, they continue to then do this every day in the temple and from house to house. It even seems that the persecution energized the apostles. I'm sure they knew that strong opposition was coming. I mean, how could they forget Jesus's words in John chapter 15, verses 18 to 20? If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So when the apostles start to experience persecution, what's their reaction? What's their response? It says they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. They were being faithful. They experienced the truth of what Jesus taught, that it became a reality. They were filled with the Spirit, and they were filled with joy. And the same should be true of us today. How do we respond to opposition and persecution? Like the apostles, we should go back to what we do best, teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. We must keep the main thing, well, the main thing. Acts chapter 5 and the events that unfold there is a great picture of what is later described in Revelation chapter 12, verses 11 to 12. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And so, in persecution, we continue to preach Jesus. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. And as we see in this text, we can be aware of how God uses even persecution to propel proclamation. This passage is full of irony. These are ironic reversals that show God's provision and God's providence. First, consider the Sadducees. The Sadducees represented the liberal sect of Judaism. They didn't believe in miracles, things like the resurrection or supernatural gifts, eternal life, or even angels. And yet, ironically, how did the apostles go from being in prison to back into the temple preaching Jesus? Acts chapter 5 verse 19 says, But during the night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. Think about how that made them scratch their head, the Sadducees, as something just happened that they don't even believe in. And then the angel tells them to go back to the temple and continue to do the very activity that got the apostles arrested in the first place. So then the religious leaders send the guards to bring the apostles. And ironically, the guards were the ones who carried the weapons, and yet they were afraid of the crowd. So the apostles get brought in. The high priest and the religious leaders, they claim to be representatives of God. And yet here are the apostles standing before them, claiming that they were the very ones who killed God's own son. And in fact, that as Jesus followers, the apostles were the ones that truly obeyed God, which is now evident in the fact that God had given his spirit to them. Wow, what an ironic reversal. And then we see how the apostles are accused of two things. First, 
that they disregarded the order not to teach in Jesus' name. And what happened? It says they filled Jerusalem with their teaching. Second, the high priest said to the apostles, And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now this was true. It was clear the apostles accused the Jewish leaders for their role in Jesus' death. What's ironic, though, is that it was the high priest and others who were the ones who said to Pilate, His blood be on us and on our children. Oh, how soon they forgot. How soon they forgot as now the reality of the way of Jesus was unfolding before them. And finally, consider how God uses persecution. You know, conventional wisdom would say that persecution would hurt or hold back the church. That, man, things are so hard and difficult. But yet, that's the very thing that God was using here. You see, the religious rulers, they wanted to kill the apostles. But Gamaliel, he referenced two failed messianic movements. That those two movements came to nothing because they weren't true. And it's certainly the same thing would happen with the apostles. So they let them go. He said, if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Wow, what a statement. And obvious to us, but ironic to them, that's exactly what happened. The followers of false leaders all dispersed and they scattered, the text says. And yet when Jesus' followers experienced persecution, the message only spread further. And that is a main theme here in the book of Acts. That persecution propels the preaching of the gospel. And to really see this, consider and compare Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Acts 1, 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We saw how in the Gospel of Luke, Luke highlights the journey of Jesus towards Jerusalem. And now Luke's writing in Acts highlights the journey of the message of Jesus away from Jerusalem. And we see how this happens through the Acts of the Apostles, but specifically now in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, through persecution. It says, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the Apostles. Persecution propelled the gospel to be proclaimed, and this fulfilled the commission. This happened right after the persecution of Saul in chapter 7, causing believers to be dispersed and to spread and scatter into Judea and into Samaria. And guess what? The gospel message went with them. And then Saul is converted. Wow, talk about a, a plot twist. And now the apostle Paul becomes the very one who is part of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, which is what the whole second half of the book of Acts describes. Acts 8.1 is the fulfillment of Acts 1.8. And God uses difficulty to further deliver the message. Such irony shows the sovereignty of God. As Paul would later say in Philippians chapter 1 verse 12, in describing his persecution for following Jesus, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. You see, God is in control and he uses all of these things to further spread his message, the gospel.
We serve a God who provides for his people. We serve a God who preserves his message. And as verse 31 says, Jesus is described as our leader and as our savior, that it is his church that he is building. And so let us be faithful to the work that God is doing, to be faithful to share the gospel even when it is hard. God bless you, brothers. May the Lord be with you.